Thank you very much uh, once again, Andreas, for joining us today on CX Insider Pod. Who cares? I mean, which customer cares? The customer does really not care. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so how many kids do you have? Two. What time do you usually go to sleep? 7 p.m. to, I don't know. Uh... <laughs> yeah, and uh, where do you live? Uh, uh... I will look for you. I will find you. Hey everyone, welcome back to the CX Insider podcast. Today we speak to Andreas, head of digital transformation for Porsche Holding, the retail division of Volkswagen and the largest car distributor in Europe. We'll be taking a look at the hyper automation revolution that Andreas has been driving forth and learning how you can improve your own internal processes too. Enjoy the conversation. And if you do, why not subscribe to our YouTube channel for CX Insider's best content. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by ACF Technologies, global leaders in customer experience management solutions. Thank you very much uh, once again, Andreas, for joining us today on CX Insider Podcast. To get started, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, what you do? Yeah, sure. First of all, thanks for having me and uh, really happy to be part of the of the podcast and at least having one episode on this year. <laughs> so yeah, I'm Andreas Schmelzer. I'm the head of uh, digital transformations and services at Porsche Holding. What's my background? I just know process automation and I'm doing this now for quite a while. Uh, let's leave aside the years because then I'm feeling uh, even older, but before doing all the process automation part. Uh, so really it's about, from, from my point of view, hyper automation and getting as much as possible of the work jobs into the machine and not in front of the machine. That's my background. Uh, before that, I've been pretty much into management, accounting and finance processes. And so uh, at some point, I think I conquered SAP and uh, at some point it, it just got bored. And that's uh, since then I'm really into process automation and Porsche holding just to maybe to clear this uh we are not producing the cars uh so sorry <laughs> we are basically just or we are the retailing part meaning we're responsible for getting the cars out into the into the world with our dealers but also also the financial services kind of uh, environment okay great so just as a first point for some of our viewers who may not be familiar with the term could you start by defining what hyper automation actually is at the very end, the combin combination depending on the use case of various technologies. From my point of view, the most important part about hyper automation is really to combine the technologies depending on the use case and not the other way around by having a technology and then trying to figure out what's a good use case for the technology. And obviously, if you're talking about process automation, because digital transformation and service means we want to put something in place and we want to change the, the workforce in terms of what do we have to do in front of the PCs. This means we have to really take into the consideration how to orchestrate everything and keep the things in place and that the people are really using that. So uh, it's really human centric, even though we are talking so often about bots and technology and uh, I don't know but actually uh, we're just talking about how to improve the workplaces. So that's really interesting what was it that initially drew you to this field because you've worked in uh, quite a few different companies all in the same uh, kind of area so what is it that most interests you about hyper automation? Hyper automation from my point of view is really the possibility to ease the workforce uh, in terms of putting the stupid things into the machine. And that's what driving me. I, I want to give the people quality time. My home turf is basically the hyper automation part by understanding the processes, the customer needs, the end results and getting them done. And I really, I'm really looking forward to that people have as much time as possible to spend them either on high qualified tasks, for instance, or even better, 
family, friends, and maybe foes. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's not all work, is it? It helps in all areas of life as well. So that's really great. Could you share any like bigger, more exciting projects maybe that you've worked on where you've seen this from birth and, and all the way through where it's really made an impact? Yes, uh, because I, I've built high automation teams now. I think uh, this time it's now the third time I'm ramping up an automation team inside a, a company and obviously in different stages because a, a scale-up or startup is simply uh, different like I've been before. But nevertheless, there are I'm, I'm struggling a little bit uh, in, in terms of of having impact because I don't know which kind of solutions didn't have <laughs> So I'm coming from the other side uh, a little bit. Biggest possibility or change we've done is that in every uh, company I've been working um, and I'm talking about process automation, we always challenge the process at the very beginning. So what is the job to be done? Is it really necessary in the future? Or is it just something we're doing today? And what is the end result? Uh, so if you're talking about user experience, customer experience, actually, first of all, to really fulfill these things, I have to understand what's the requirement. What do they need at what certain point in the process, in the delivery, in the product, in the service, you name it. Actually, that's the most crucial part. That's the most important part. And without even having done one single development hour, we already changed basically how we're working because we're questioning our end results. So that's why I'm a little bit struggling in terms of where we made the biggest uh, impact. I think the biggest impact is actually by those things we haven't done because it was not necessary and we simply got rid of it. I think that's by far the biggest impact you can have. And then obviously the second one is if you're really keen on, yes, we want to keep that, okay, then what is the uh, leanest process in terms of with the least possible manpower in the operation as well as in the delivery, then going forward. One example would be a finance process where we at the very beginning got into like, let's use the invoice process because that's really mm -hmm. easy in terms of everyone can rely on. At some point, everyone got an invoice and had to pay. <laughs> yeah. so. Uh, you're, you're getting you're, you're getting the invoice, and for instance, with OCR, you're extracting the, the stuff, but the OCR itself is just basically copying from uh, some kind of input format into a digital format uh, all the things. But that's it. That's OCR. It's no, there is no intelligence, anything. Then adding machine learning on top of intelligent document processing. Uh, if you're really talking about paper documents or paper document-ish uh, things like PDF, and then extracting everything and putting it into an approval workflow. Uh, so there is already the uh, integration of BPMS, like the workflow engine, there is machine learning at some certain point, AI, or uh, I think nowadays uh, GPT is uh, substituting AI at any point. So let's say uh, putting it to a GPT. <laughs> and uh, at the very beginning, you have, you have the OCR part, and you really have to make sure that everything is running and at the very end is delivered into the ERP system. And I think this is one of the biggest impacts you already had. And I think in nearly every company, because that's a no-brainer at some point, at the very end, no one wants to put an accountant basically in typing stuff from left to right, like from a document into SAP or wherever. Actually, you just want to, if you receive the invoice, have the approval. Yes, that's what we've got. No, that's not what we've got. It's because we, we've got a different kind of service or a different kind of quality or a different amount, for instance. But at the end, you want the approved workflow and that's it. You don't want accounting is touching the invoice. That's something what really had the biggest impact. This is also something where accountants can be really a pain if your solution is not working. 
because they don't want to get this process back. That's why we are always uh, figuring out how to operate and deliver those services continually, because that's definitely the biggest in impact in terms of keeping them happy uh, and not just making them ha happy at the very beginning. Andreas is clearly very meticulous when it comes to hyper-automating business processes to increase workforce efficiency. But so far, we've only explored the benefits. Does such a hardcore approach bring any negatives too? Surely there are some instances where hyper-automation simply can't or shouldn't be applied. Yes, uh, for sure. Most of the time this is happening if you're not taking a resistance uh, really serious, like in the workforce, because not everyone has my kind yeah. of approach to automation. There is also the opposite where people are not really happy. I can't really persuade everyone uh, into that's the best, but at least uh, you can talk with them and putting the, the fear a little bit aside by telling them, let's put it the other way around. Automation is a necessity and not a cost reduction program. The, the reason behind, yes, at the very end, uh, uh, automation has to have an, an, an ROI and a positive impact uh, on, on the company, but this does not mean a reduction in the workforce. Positive ROI is already there if the existing workforce can do better jobs, more reliable, and they are not leaving your company. There is already an extreme high uh, ROI just by workforce not leaving because you don't have yeah. to rehire, yeah, exactly. uh, get the expertise to the workforce again, for instance. Automation is always there. But those are, so that's from my side, the very first beginning where it's not working. And also the pullback resistance is also coming if your automations are not working in a reliable way meaning you're spending way too much time on maintenance. And this does not really, if I'm talking about maintenance, it does not mean just on a technical level. We are also talking about maintenance in, in terms of talking with the business. Like, for instance, the process, we, we have to redesign the process every week. At some point, they really are, they are not keen in seeing you and talking again uh, over the thing because it's simply not working. There are some certain limitations. And I think the third one is really if you focus on the technology. If you just want to, to use the hammer for every problem. So in this case, for instance, one certain technology you use RPE, BPMS, I, I don't, you name it, it's always the same, but this has a, a huge impact because you're trying then to fit everything into the one technology, even though it does not make sense. Biggest challenges at the same time, even I do want to automate everything, you always have to say no to things which are not making sense. Don't try to do everything, but that's a call you, uh, we don't have to do on our own. Uh, that's also a call basically we have to do together with the business units in showing them what's the impact of doing this or what's the non-impact if you're doing stuff. For instance, yes, we could develop this and this costs the amount of X uh, euro. Actually, you're, pay, uh, you're, you're getting yourself more troubles than a benefit, but we could do it. But at some point they are also then saying, okay, this does not make sense, but it was great at least to challenge the, the status quo. And I think once again, the biggest impact on, on automation and all the stuff we're doing is actually by not doing the stuff. So at the very beginning, avoiding it. Interesting. Yeah, Andreas, you've mentioned a lot about people. And even in what you were just saying there about ChatGPT, and I was giggling away because I completely agree. Um, and <laughs> and um, the main thing that I'm definitely picking up, forgive me if I'm wrong in here, is you seem to have a real focus on people and you know their effect so when you were talking about chat gbt there you could just take the answer it gives you but unless you've got the right personnel and the right people to understand that information you're at a huge risk there aren't you of producing potentially the wrong wrong thing you know we spoke in a previous conversation about digital transformation and i know that's something that obviously you're very passionate about and that you're a big part of your role i think your approach and i'm sure marcel will agree 
on that people are a huge part of that, you know, consumers, customers and personnel. But what do you think is the biggest challenge with delivering advancement, you know, into digital transformation um, is going to be like merging the people with the technology? What do you think is the biggest challenge in that? I think the biggest challenge is that this is not a zero to 100. It's really a transition and a transformation over time. So what does this mean? You really like in, in a typical development uh, kind of effort, uh, when you want to get to a proper user experience or customer experience, you are going to increase the level over time. You're not building 100% of the features, then putting it out and then being surprised that no one is using it. You want to learn on the way, basically. And that's exactly uh, what we have to, why it's called digital transformation. We need to make some certain parts, like for instance, GPT. Nowadays, at least let, let them play around, preparing stuff for them, for instance, uh, helping them, assisting at the very beginning. Then they can take it from there to a next level. So it's a little bit, use it now for preparation and maybe in the next step, training the people how to implement your own data and rely more and more on the technology. So don't assume that by just having a technology or a use case or uh, a service, that it has to be the, the, the one thing to rule them all from tomorrow onwards. Uh, it's really a transition into the new way of working. We still have to de deliver ongoing uh, revenue streams by changing uh, business models, for instance. But you still have to play both worlds. There is not just one. There is not just current revenues and then tomorrow there's the new business model and new revenues. There's something in between. And exactly that's what we have to, it's an evolvement. I think that's a little bit the challenge. This is not a typical IT project where I say that's the starting point. Those are the requirements I need to develop. And at the end, I'm done. Yes, at the end you are done, but you can't really have the milestone uh, and saying, and then my transformation is done. That is a tough one. <laughs> that's a that tough is one. a tough one, definitely. Now, there's a persistent view in the automotive industry that, since it's pretty old, it's also resistant to change. And hyper-automation is all about change. So does Andreas think this belief is a myth? More specifically, how does the industry look from the inside out? And how can hyper-automation shape a new era of development? First of all, uh, that, that's that's my own belief. So uh, yeah. I'm not talking about the uh, no, no. company statement or something like that. So that's my own uh, gut feeling. No, I don't believe the industry is resistant to change, but it has a due to the history. It's hard to change a system which has run like that more or less over decades. And it's really decades. This is the same like now trying to reinvent the wheel. We're using the wheel for ages. I mean, literally, um, even if we have the challenge to reinvent the wheel, we couldn't, or at least it feels like it, it would yeah. be a, a tough one. And that's exactly where we are from my point of view in, in this industry that for a really long time, it worked exactly like that. At some point, feel the change is necessary, but at the same time, a little bit depending or simply feeling in the future, it was not really necessary or possible. I'm not sure what it was, but mm -hmm. once again, that's my own feeling. I don't think that I know everything about the industry. No, of course. You'll complete it in about in a few years, just so you did SAP. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> is, it, is it fair to say, though, that there is without a doubt a change happening in automotive industry? For sure. I mean, just look at the change basically in the customer behavior. Uh, yeah. There is now way more people financing or renting uh, or sharing cars than before, I mean, 
think a few years back, who would have shared his car or her? I know. That's mine. Uh, I know most of the day uh, it's just standing out there because I'm in the office, but it's mine. I'm not sharing. And now you have <laughs> You might move my seat. Yeah. 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 But th no, that's that's really changing. Um, and simply our approach to mobility or to mobility services is, uh, from my point of view, changing. But once again, this is a very personal view. I, I mean, who would at some point in the past agreed by your purchasing a vehicle and someone like the manufacturer can turn on and off uh, certain services in my car. Uh, uh, that, yes. And now it's like, oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, no problem. <laughs> paying for it. This has to have a huge impact on your business model or on the approach what you're doing, obviously. No, absolutely. Because obviously technology has made a big thing. Do you think um, consumers and their use of technology is changing their kind of not only buying behavior, but also what they expect as a customer experience. And is that making a big difference, the technology that consumers are using? I'm not sure if, if the technology is, is really the, the leverage or the changing factor. I think it's it's simply the more customer and user-centric approach. First of all, they are valuing and the technology is enabling that, but I'm not sure if the technology is really the driver behind it. Again, personal assumption is more that my expectation and by seeing bits of different services, online services, uh, stuff like that, by being more international and seeing what's happening in other countries, in other industries. I mean, just look into the banking sector and all the fintechs in there. Why should, shouldn't this happen in my industry? Yeah, and I, once again, I think the technology is really the enabler, but if it's the driver behind, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. As generations grow up and society moves forward, customer expectations, needs, wants, demands, they're all evolving too. Does then this idea of hyper-automation align with the current trends of customer experience? In essence, how can this kind of digital transformation improve customer satisfaction? I think one of the biggest impacts which we have to take into consideration, and you can see this in, in many industries, but also process and service, or basically everywhere, we have to take the consumer and the user experience way more into consideration. So having really the outside view on my services and not the inside. What does this mean? Who cares? I mean, which customer cares uh, how many cost centers are touched uh, by a certain business case, for instance? The customer does really not care. They want to have a service, uh, a good or whatever. That's what you really have to center and not just using this as a headline. You really have to get this in, into the into the culture. And I think that's why we are here in terms of really enabling and questioning, like where's the benefit for the customer? Where is the input or the impact on the end result? Are we now faster, cheaper, better? I, I don't is there actually a real effect on, on the customer or is it just because we are used to the to this kind of, of, of an approach? There is the bigger leverage in the transformation. And, and this is then basically driving you all the way, also for the future, benefits uh, or requirements or services by constantly challenging the things because if you take user or customer experience really up, then you know your service or good is never finished. You have to constantly work on it and challenge the things and also look outside of your industry and look what others are doing. Simply have a look in who is doing the smartest invoicing process. I don't care if it's the smartest invoicing process at the moment in the retail part or automotive. I care in which, where is the best thing? And 
that's something I want to apply. And I think that's something which is keeping you basically on top of <laughs> by constantly challenging and changing yourself by closely listening to the customers and uh, end users. I think the challenge part is there to hear the right things from the user and customers. I'm not sure if I'm quoting correctly, uh, Steve Jobs, uh, where he said, my customers don't even know what they're doing because otherwise they wouldn't have done the iPhone or iPod. I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> is the uh, iPhone because it, yeah, but it, it was not there beforehand. So how could they tell me that they want it? Uh, but for, for the constant change and for the uh, further development of your services and, and, and goods and services, I, I think that's definitely a necessity. Just looking at what you do, Andreas, and the challenges that you must have. Okay. <laughs> and one of the biggest challenges I can think of is acquiring all this data, but also you are working across so many different departments. You know, you're touching, but for, for my understanding, and forget, stop me again if I'm wrong. So you're touching data in from sales side, from accounting side, from inquiry side. How do you go about acquiring this information and dealing with managing different parts of the business? Surely there must be some guarded people, or not necessarily people, but departments. No, not really, uh, because Is I don't care about no, no, because I don't <laughs> care about data. Um, uh, okay. If we are talking about really new services or new uh, new approaches, there is no data for it because we are talking about how do we want to work in the future. So I'm starting at a really high level and with many many talks and trying to understand uh, and discuss possible ways of working. What is the end result? Is this really the expected end result? Is this the end end result or is this just the end result you are see? But is this really what the customer is getting? Because there are limitations to departments, for instance, where they see the, where is the uh, real end-to-end -end process. If we are talking about the future concept of things, there is not really much data you can already use. Yes, at some point, if you know where you want to go, then you can really zoom in on the existing data. Is it already supporting? Is it helping? Necessary to build a business case for it? At least there where I'm starting, there is no real data to base my decisions or the things on. So it's highly communicative, getting to the people, talking with them, and at the same time, explaining and showcasing how technology could work. I'm not saying that I know your business process. This is how you have to use it. But I'm trying to at least find use case close to them by just starting their ideas or a little jump start at least that they can get to uh, to possible ideas to understand where could I use it because once again there we have to get the technology into the business areas and also understanding how or where can we apply it and this is not written in the user manual this is helping for developers this is helping for actual users but if someone is at the very beginning not even knowing what the thing is about and where can it help me and what's the possible use case that's something where we have to be a little bit creative to really jump the things uh jump into the things and, and getting the hands dirty that's then the fun because then you can talk with the people and then you get them basically into the concept or not we have covered how hyper-automation can greatly improve the employee experience by reducing working time, making processes more efficient, etc. And that's all great, but it's largely involved in the internal side of things. But let's link it back to CX. What tangible real-world benefits can hyper-automation bring to customers' lives and therefore improve their experiences with your company? I think that we are starting with the customer experience in terms of end result, at least in, in, in our point of view. This does not necessarily mean always external customer. This could also be an, an internal one, but nevertheless, we always have to first of all figure out what is, what is the end result? Is this the expected end result? And challenging this constantly. And with a hyper automation approach, it's really easy 
to redevelop stuff uh, to make it more agile. I'm undervaluing hyper automation if I'm saying this has more like a, a pilot or mock-up ish approach. But at the end, from my point of view, exactly that's it. Uh, if you're talking about all the stuff, low code, no code, AI, GPT, I don't know. Basically, those are technologies helping you in building stuff pretty fast, not necessarily reliable, but fast. So you can give it a try and you can get through A-B testing then and stuff like that to understand I'm on the right track. Once you know it, then you can develop those things. It's really getting the customer feedback, also their expectations. And at the same time, having the data, for instance, with A-B testing on processes or different workflows to understand, are they really using new features? Are they actually uh, hitting a button uh, without a function by showing you, look, there is no function right now, but it will be there soon, but at least you can count the clicks on the button. And then you see, would they really use the function before even building the function? Once again, it's, I think from my point of view, hyper automation has exactly this kind of a playground approach. Again, I don't want to undervalue it. I think this is the best thing you can have. At the same time, that's a challenge for companies which rely on sustainable business processes. They are not really used to having this kind of a playing ground for processes. But I think this is one of the highest flexibilities and possibilities we're having here with various uh, technologies. And at the same time, technologies are no limitation anymore. You can interface everything with everyone if you want to and if you have the approval. But that's another point. Basically, there is no technical limitation. Great. So the sky's the limit. Yeah. If you dream it, if you can dream it, you can build it. There is really no, or I can't think of any use case I could not do within a, a hyper automation approach. This is a great way at least to pilot the stuff. And what is your, your vision, Andreas, that, that end, end goal? What is the future that you're trying to bring to life? To be honest, uh, if, if I would say there is an end goal, I would be lying. It's really the, the big thing that I just want to free up as much unqualified working time by having quality time because time is really one of the highest appreciated goods but undervalued from my point of view but this is what i'm really thinking about this does not mean i want to get rid of all the workforce that's absolutely not what i'm saying but if you're talking about a vision or some possible end scenario this is really it so all stupid processes are really where they belong or where they should be running and that's inside the machine and not in front Great. That's a quote there. It is. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, why not subscribe to our YouTube channel for CX Insider's best content with full length videos, chapters and even YouTube shorts. Also, be sure to like, share and comment on the episode to keep the conversation going. Or you can head over to CXinsider.com and join us there. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you want to be part of our growing community of thought leaders, then head over to LinkedIn and follow us at the CX Insider podcast. Thanks again. I've been Marcel and I will see you again in two weeks. For now, though, enjoy these rapid fire questions. By the way, this podcast has been brought to you by ACF Technologies, the global leader in customer experience management solutions. Could you share any stories about like a really awful experience that you have had as a customer interacting with a brand, something that really like pushed you away from a product or service or made you see things differently about customer experience? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I went to a, to a dealer and wanted to purchase something. I'm not going into detail. It, it was basically for uh, a home wellness area. It was absolutely all because I told them what I want to do. And they basically sent me away and said, yeah, no, uh, no one is doing that. And so uh, actually, I really came there with a desire to buy <laughs> and left with huge disappointment and uh, <laughs> just told them, you've wasted my and your time. Because they even 
help me arrange a meeting uh, or schedule a meeting with them on their side. Uh, and so I, I was really pissed. <laughs> yeah. So that so that was the meeting. They made you schedule that just to yeah. tell you that they can't do it. Yeah, exactly. And even driving there. So it was a personal. So I was, that was. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So Andreas, who is your biggest role model? To be honest, my kids, as stupid as this might sound, because I'm always getting uh, raised eyebrows, how can your kids be a role model? But if you see kids growing up and basically uh, when they're trying to, to learn to walk, they are failing basically a year and they're never giving up. There is no better role model because just think about your own personal learnings or experience and how often you are refusing or uh, nodding your head and saying, no, okay, it's not working. And then having kids basically failing a year and at the end, they are achieving what they want to do. That's why they are still my role models. That's great. How many kids do you have? Two. Two, and how old are they? They are both eight uh, because twins, you know. Uh, I, I'm highly efficient. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> very efficient, yeah. How do you hyper-automate your parenting? <laughs> I don't know. That's something I still have to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> if you do figure it out, please let me know, Andreas. <laughs> uh, what kind of music do you like listening to? Uh, most of the time, indie. Yeah, who are some of your favorite artists? Uh, basically, really the whole genre. I really like that there are so many new bands I never heard about and uh, they are making great songs. Uh, and that's what I like about the genre. Uh, always basically learning uh, new bands, different way of music, even though they are still in the same uh, genre. What time do you usually go to sleep? <laughs> that's a tough one. <laughs> Uh, uh, it, it really highly depends on on the workload uh, and the kids. <laughs> and the, there is a bandwidth of uh, uh, seven pm to I don't know uh, three am. So it's really okay. probably better question is what was it last night? Can you remember? Yeah, actually, uh, th that was was nine pm, but I uh, got up at three. So <laughs> three. Oh wow! Wow. Okay. Yeah. When do you usually get up then? Uh, depending on uh, how long I, I have to make sports uh, and when the first meeting is starting. So uh, I'm always trying to make sports before the, the first business meeting. What do you like to do in the summertime? What is your favorite thing? Any outdoor activity that, that's possible. If it's kayak, if it's climbing, uh, I don't really mind. Uh, and the more my kids are with me, the better. <laughs> <laughs>